in the heat, and now I'm just like, oof. What is ga- <laughs> what is Gaga Ball? Oh, Gaga Ball is awesome. It's kind of like a, I jokingly call it um, Christian uh, Fight Club, but it's a <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a on the ground dodgeball, or you keep the ball on the ground, and you build like an octagon arena. Um, and so you, when you get hit below the waist, you're out. Um, so it's a game that involves a lot of bending over and swatting a ball at each other as hard as you can. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, well, Hey everyone, thank you for this. Wow. Let's restart. Woo. (laughs) Let's try that again. This is Red Flags and Red Cards, a podcast about racing, soccer, and everything in between. red flags and red cards i am nick and alongside me 400 miles away is josh josh how's it going it's going quite well how are you doing doing well trying to uh beat the heat it's hot yep and uh summer i feel like just got started so yeah it's like the next two weeks are going to be brutal um that's like the trade-off because i mean the excitement for tomorrow tomorrow or today for people that re- listen to this on release day or a couple days ago for people that listen to it after um <laughs> <laughs> we are attending the bristol race and this is like the first race i think in uh 400 years that there's not a chance of rain yeah there's zero <laughs> chance if anything you would almost welcome it because it's going to be so hot Right. That's the trade off is it's going to be absolutely brutal, like 93 degrees or something like that. Yeah, but it's a it's a night race, so uh, it should get better. Yes. I probably just got louder in your ears because I just turned up my microphone. Side note. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we've uh, we've got Kentucky to talk about. We've got all star race, some F1, a little bit of IndyCar and uh, some soccer news. Not too much. And uh yeah, let's uh, jump on into Kentucky. We had, uh, what, four, five races at Kentucky? ARCA, two Xfinity, a truck race, and a cup race. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Xfinity races were much better than cup again. Yeah, How do you Austin feel, How do you feel about that? <laughs> um, yeah, so I kind of like this weekend was a weekend of busyness. So for me, I didn't like. I didn't sit and watch all of any of the races with the exception of the truck race, which kind of was a half race because it got rained out after the second segment. Um, All right. So it was so for everything I watched, I was actually super entertained with everything. Um, But I missed like the grueling parts of all of the races, Um, (laughs) which makes it easy. But uh, yeah, it did look like I mean, I found all of it entertaining. It was cool watching um, Cindric. Uh, take the take back to back oval wins um, after having a, a career of being the the road race winner um, who couldn't get it done on the ovals up until now, and so that that was cool to see. Um, so yeah, I I mean I enjoyed all the racing this weekend. Yeah, he was um, the first back to back winner in the Xfinity series since uh, the seventies, I think. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, to do that. I always I also forgot that he is a road course ringer, as they're called. So to see his excitement uh, after winning an on an oval was really cool to see. You don't see that mm-hmm. kind of excitement as much. Yeah. Um, um, I meant to mention. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
Oh, I was saying, and then we also had the uh, the fun of a fight, a nice little brouhaha. Think that's exactly what I was getting ready to, to, to uh, talk about. That was something else. I've never seen, well, that's not true, but to see Noah Craxton just swing at Harrison Burton was something to behold. And there were other drivers and crew guys that were around them when it happened, and no one cared to step in. They were just like, <laughs> yeah, let's just see what happens here. It was very entertaining from that standpoint. You know, that's the way it should be. You know, I once agree. They, you know, and it's it's one of those things where you want to see if drivers have a problem with what you know, one another, let the drivers hash it out, however that may be. Um, and then once they, you know, you don't want things going too far. So it's good to have crewmen around that step in. Um, I think once if you have crewmen stepping in with a driver, then you've something's wrong. Um, but just to kind of let the two guys go, um, you know, I don't really fault Noah Gregson after um, Harrison Burton put his hands on him a couple Twice, times. Twice, yeah. Yeah, um, which that's kind of, you know, everybody has a, a boiling point. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll let you go with that first one, but the second one. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say what was comical is uh, when they interviewed, when Jamie Little interviewed Harrison Burton, he was very collected and had his thoughts together and had a pretty good interview about the whole process of like what what all went down and then she goes over to Noah Gregson and it looked like he was the one that got hit he <laughs> was just like yeah it was um a good night and uh just not the result we wanted and yeah and Jamie's like trying to get something out of him and he's like yeah we'll uh we'll go on to Texas and we'll move on yeah I was like did he he hear the question do you know do it does he know what just happened i thought found that very interesting i mean sometimes i guess you like you react in the heat of a moment a certain way and then like afterwards you kind of sit back and think and like wait what just happened yeah the adrenaline kind of wears off yeah and you're like you like you it you can almost black out like i think of when uh martin truex had his great classic saying of uh you know he might have won the battle but he won't win the war and then he was being asked about that sentence like later and how much he thought about it he's like what did i say that's so true <laughs> that was at, that was at martinsville after logano they had gotten together i think mm-hmm. going for the win yep right and so you have these these things where like you just kind of act in you kind of black i'm not black out necessarily but like you react off of emotion or adrenaline or whatever and once you kind of calm down a little bit you're like it's it feels like something that happened in a separate life or like in a tv show and it's it sometimes takes a little while to process that oh that happened in my you know five minutes ago in real life (laughs) yeah right exactly (laughs) hopefully we'll see more of that i'm hoping we see a lot of that on wednesday yeah uh it's definitely possible um the drama will be high for sure. Um, it wasn't the only drama over the weekend. There's a, a little bit with Jimmy Johnson and Brad Kozlowski. Oh, that'll calm, man. That'll calm down, though. <laughs> it will calm down. I'm hoping that Jimmy... I, I like Jimmy, and I, I like Brad sometimes, but I hope Jimmy realizes he completely came down <laughs> on Brad, like 100%. That's all right. on Jimmy Johnson. It's definitely Jimmy's fault when Jeff Gordon says it's Jimmy's fault. Yeah. <laughs> That's an excellent point. Um, <laughs> Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think anything will come of that. Yeah. So that was, that was definitely, I think probably the most 
memorable, well, not the most memorable moment of the weekend, but it was one of the more memorable ones. Um, then on Saturday, uh, I haven't, I still haven't gotten to see the ARCA race. I just know that Haley Deegan had a rough day, um, but that's yeah, on I my... Did, I didn't see it either, To do list. Let's go back and watch that. But um, And then the, uh, the truck race was, it was entertaining. You know, there's good passing. Um, there's something about Kentucky where... It can be entertaining, and I'm still kind of bored. Yep, I agree um, with that. I feel like it caters more to Xfinity and the Truck Series than it does yeah. Cup guys. And so it was kind of interesting to watch. One of the most intriguing things for me to follow was it was Chandler Smith's first race on the Big Oval. Um, he's run a few short track races, but he couldn't race on the Big Oval until he turned um, 17 or 18, hmm. um, whatever it was. Uh, so he's got his first race out there and he struggled, um, which isn't necessarily too surprising for a young kid. First time ever racing, um, on a big track like that in a car like that with, <laughs> you know, restarts being wild. And crazy. Right. Exactly. Um, and it was, it was one of those things where I was looking forward to the third stage. Cause I felt like that would have been the time where you could see him kind of have figured everything out. Um, but then the rain hit and you know, it didn't, didn't happen. So, um, that's something to keep looking forward to. I think he's got, a handful more races lined up throughout the year um, with Kyle Busch Motorsports. So um, excited to see his career continue to progress. But um, yeah, so Truck Series, I thought it was entertaining for what it was. Yeah, but not unfortunately, as crazy it could have been. I didn't see hardly any of it. What day was that on? <laughs> there was, that was so many Saturday races. night. That was Saturday. What was I doing? <laughs> Saturday, Saturday afternoon. What was I doing? I don't even remember what I was doing. What was Saturday? I don't know. Some, yeah, I, I had something Saturday too, and I got home at like nine or nine thirty oh, Saturday night. I went to the I had, pool. <laughs> that's what I did too. Oh. <laughs> nice. It was the that's first right. time we got to go to the pool all all summer so far. A friend of mine was like, "Hey, you guys want to come over to the pool?" And Lou took the took the day off because we were like, "Yeah, let's go to the pool." So we went to the pool and enjoyed some margaritas and tacos. And it was awesome. great. <laughs> yeah, I got a text from my pastor around like two or two thirty or so, and he was like, "Their neighbors asked them to watch their dog, and as payment, they let them use the pool." That's like, a great. So if you want to come over? Yeah, and I was like, "I'm there." Um, so then I got home that night, and I pulled up the MLS's back tournament on the TV, and then pulled up the truck race on my um, on the Fox Sports website, and went back and rewatched that. Um, and then that led to Sunday, um, which, again, I was doing water-related things for the first about <laughs> half of the race. It's becoming <laughs> a theme when you text me, hey, we're just going out of the river. Uh, I'm going I'm to turn it on soon. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, well, that's been the thing recently. There's, like, this nice little rapid section um, near around the corner from the church, and so we'll go there, and you just kind of go down the rapids, and then you walk up these boulders to go down them again over and over again. Nice. So we do that for, like, that's an awesome. hour and a half. Yeah, and then I got in the car, and... Um, you have to listen to it sounds like all I missed was Eric Almarola leading the first like 120 laps. Yeah, that's basically all you missed. That's what, like I turned it on. That's what was happening because I missed the first 80 lap. No, 50 laps because I was watching a replay of the Formula One race. Mm. So I'm kind of glad I missed part of it because I was bored pretty much the whole way through. I until will, I will, until the final restart. Yeah, well, really, like, I thought from 30 laps to go on... I could agree with just, that, yeah. It was good. I mean, that's primarily because we had four restarts in the last 34 laps, um, and all of them were 
pretty entertaining. I think uh, the first one, Truex kind of got the jump on Blaney and pulled ahead. Um, Blaney was still there. Um, Blaney was the catching him. One, yeah, that's right. Blaney was catching him. Um, and then the next one was when Blaney got the jump on John on him because Johnson spun. Right? Yes. Or, yeah. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. And so it was. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't know who had the lead. Right. It was like from, um, I think, I think like one thousandth of a second, two thousandths of a second. Yeah. And the restarts were were wild. One of the things that I kind of enjoyed was typically and even still here, you have the preferred groove. And typically on mile and a half tracks, it's the outside lane. It's the preferred groove. But it seemed like those last four restarts, there wasn't one. You had Harvick from the inside in like fifth, made that run through the field up into take the lead mm-hmm. on one restart. Um, you had Cole Custer on his winning restart came from the outside and froze in the third row. Um, so there wasn't really a, a preferred line, um, which led to some really excellent racing on the restarts. Yeah. And then in the back of the pack, it was just, it was madness. Blaney's preferred line was apparently over the, uh, the drain on the apron. <laughs> there is a photo of him going over it and it looks like he's midair. It's pretty, pretty incredible. His car yeah. worked on the bottom. His car was the only one to really work on the bottom, like, like it did. No one else could seem like they could really do much with it. I was really, ho- I was really rooting for him. I really thought he was going to get that win because I mean, I, I know, so he, too. I, I yeah. know he does have a win already, but I don't know. Like, if you win at Talladega or Daytona, like that's cool. But it's cool to see you win on a non-restricted plate track. But he'll get there, I'm sure. Yeah, does he have a win this year? Yeah, he won yeah, Talladega. He won Talladega. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess prior last year, I know his. I'm thinking of where his wins come. He won at Pocono. He's won at the Roval. He's won at Ta- Talladega twice. Twice, I think. Um, and hey, that may be it. I think that's it. Yeah. So, um, but he, uh, yeah, it was great. That final restart was just off the charts i mean all of them it was cool to kind of see i remember one restart austin Dillon restarted 11th and by the end of lap one he was in fourth and it was like oh that's when you texted me austin Dillon. <laughs> yeah. i was wondering why you texted me that i was like what's he talking about <laughs> oh okay <laughs> and then there's another like cole custer with this two restarts to go i think he restarted 12th or 13th and all of a sudden there's a caution coming out for the i guess yeah the green white checkered it wasn't really overtime it was more of the scheduled Right. It was still the scheduled finish, but um, he jumped from like 12th or 13th up to 6th, which then set up that wild restart where you had uh, basically everybody going everywhere and a four wide battle. That was <laughs> incredible and so exciting to see. That's that's the thing that Kentucky has going for it is that it's wide. So restarts are very impressive and really fun to watch. Um, it's kind of the only thing I feel feel that has going for it but all that to say such a power move by custer to just really take a win away from one of the powerhouse uh teams i mean that was either blaney or truex's to win i really wouldn't say it was harvick's to win because he he kind of came out of nowhere you know within those 30 laps yeah harvick had a 20 something place car like he was running in the like late high teens and i think at one point like going into the the last green flag pit cycle, he was twentieth, I want to say, um, and he uh, got fortunate with the uh, the pit strategy where several cars didn't pit; they stayed out. Um, and so among those, like William Byron was in the lead, and um, I think Harvick was in second or third. And so it worked out in their favor, where 
Um, it would have been them kind of if the pick, if the green flag pit stops had cycled through, they would have been back in the 15th to 20th position. But because it came out when it did, there's only a handful of cars that had pitted that were back on the lead lap. And so they were able to come out of the pits in fifth and sixth um, Harvick and um, Byron and Bell and some of those guys, which cycled them up there and allowed them all to have relatively fin- good finishes. Um, and Harvick came out of nowhere, like you said, to all of a sudden take the lead. And uh, it looked like he would have been smooth sailing if uh, the 19 didn't clip him and get him loose. And then it seemed like what kind of opened the door for everybody else was the 19 and four started racing their own race against each other. And all of a sudden you had the 41 and 12 yeah. um, coming into it. And then the 12 kind of clipped the left rear of the 19 and that, or no, it was left rear of the four. He, yeah, uh, he body yeah. slammed the four. Yes, body <laughs> slam is a better way of saying it. Um, and it's it's interesting because one of the things I was watching back, and I, I'm curious, had he not hit that drain, you would have probably had him, the four, and the 41 all three wide entering turn one. Um, yeah. Because they were all pretty much even and going at similar paces. And I'm curious as to how that would have worked out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have no idea that. I really didn't know what to expect. I remember just watching it and just kind of freezing like, Oh, it's like the top four about to wreck. Like ever, <laughs> like it's just waiting for Blaney to just wash up and hit everyone. And we just have a huge pile up and, you know, um, gosh, like Brennan pool wins the race or something. Right. <laughs> um, so, but, but yeah, it was, it was super fun. It was fun. And then how about it being Cole Custer of all the drivers? Dude, it was it was such a genuine excitement. That was so cool for him. First rookie to win since uh, Chris Chris Busher back in 2016. Um, it was I think it was fresh, not obviously for him, but just for all of us as race fans to see a, a new face win, especially him, because I know many of us have been wondering, you know, is he still going to have a ride next year? Because he really wasn't performing you know, at rapid pace, like, you know, is kind of unfortunately expected of you as soon as you enter into the cup series under such a, a good team. Um, so to see him pull off a win, I think, I hope that sealed his, uh, contract for next year. I'm assuming he was on, you know, a one year deal. I'm not sure. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure yeah. he, I'm sure he'll be back in the cup series next year. Cause I was expecting Chase Briscoe to move up and take a seat. I'm not too surprised. I mean, I think uh, Custer had a bit more time because a Custer's by far the youngest um, in the of the kind of competitive um, cars that moved up. He's uh, two months younger than William Byron um, and about three months younger than um, like Quinn Huff and who shouldn't be in Cup and John Hunter <laughs> Nemechek. Um, <laughs> and so where and last year he was he was quite. Um, a bit better than Briscoe on the whole in the Xfinity season. So I think he had a bit more of a longer leash, um, but the car just hasn't performed. I know in David Smith's central speed ranking, the car is ranked 26th, um, which isn't so much about the driver as it is about the team. Um, And he was 25th in points coming into this race, um, 20th coming out of it. So he gained five spots in the points. Plus he gained that automatic chase berth or playoff berth, I guess now. It's not called um, the chase anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I, I keep forgetting that. 
But it, so it was really cool to see um, this past week. David Smith did do a piece on the big three and kind of talk big or the big three, the three rookies. Um, okay. I still calling them the big three from last year and talking about how they were really all excelling throughout this year um, that even. Uh, Cole Custer compared to Daniel Suarez was he wasn't quite as good in the Suarez in every category, which is to be ex- expected, mm-hmm. um, except in one category. After watching the ending of the race, do you have any guesses as to what that category was? Mm. Fastest lap time? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> restarts. Ah. He's one of he is substantially better at restarts. Um, than Daniel Suarez was, and I think that showed it in his him gaining like 13 spots over those last That's impressive. two restarts. Um, and then Tyler Reddick's been good, and uh, Christopher Bell has actually been the best passer in NASCAR this year. No way. That explains yes. his... Uh, he's had a lot of TV time, because I feel like he's been in the top 10 or yep. top 15 a lot. Yeah, and so he uh, he was also the worst at restarts through the first seven races. Um, he had failed to through the first seven races of the season. He failed to defend, um, one restart from the non-preferred line. Um, and since the seventh race of the season, he has, um, been the best at restarting from the non-preferred line. So Christopher bell is taking great strides. So it's just, it's fun watching these rookies. I'm absolutely loving the season that they're having and it's going to be fun watching them race to the, the rookie of the year. Yeah. I hope that each of those guys gets a win. Tyler Reddick is definitely on the verge. Christopher Bell might get a surprise win. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if he got a surprise win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, it was a really fun finish. I still feel that this race was too long. I think if this thing had been a 300 miler, it would have been perfect. Thoughts? Uh, I mean, I was home for the last 100 laps, and that was the perfect length. <laughs> so, <laughs> what is that? 150 miles? It's 150 miles. So perfect. Was, so, the Arca race. <laughs> right. So, I thought that was fine. Um, yeah, I think a, a 250, 300-mile race is plenty uh, for a track like this where, you know, it's it's nothing unique I mean, it's like you said, it's a bit wider than some of the other um, ones shaped like that, I guess. But um, yeah. my biggest fear about it is that this is a similar racetrack in a way to uh, Nashville Super Speedway. Nashville Super Speedway is, I think, uh, maybe one or two lanes wider and it's concrete, which changes things a little bit. But I'm a little nervous. Yeah. And Nashville is 1.3 miles. Um, and it's That's a bit wider. Nashville. Nashville is one of those weird tracks where it's super wide and there's like like the front stretch towards the end is so wide and like three quarters of it isn't even like necessary. Yes, <laughs> just, also true. It's just there and it's like um, nobody uses it. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to put this here and make it look cool for TV. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see with Nashville next year, which that should be interesting to follow. I mm-hmm. think NASCAR will probably, now that they've got the schedule pretty much finalized for the rest of the year um it'll i think their plan is to release the 2021 schedule fairly soon um it could be rumored as soon as like this week oh wow it could be releasing the schedule yeah i had not heard that i'm for it yeah as long as there's fans right <laughs> <laughs> that's the hope <laughs> and 
you know, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I guess it'll depend. We'll get to be guinea pigs this weekend and see how uh, <laughs> I'm excited, how man. I've gotten so many emails and so many uh, push notifications on on what on just basically guiding you to the racetrack and kind of holding your hand, which I'm that's totally fine with me. So yeah. I don't, don't want to break any rules, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, yeah. Does NASCAR get rid of Kentucky Speedway in the future? I I think they probably it probably gets axed. Um, it's in one of the how oh, it's not in the greatest of markets. It's kind of you know an hour from Cincinnati or so, mm-hmm. an hour or so from Louisville, um, and it's also one of those things where you know Indianapolis isn't super far away. Yeah, um, there's other tracks that people can get to, so it, it it's the track. I think that's the number one track that if NASCAR dropped it, I would feel nothing. Right. That's what I've been hearing be from like, so many. Okay. Yeah. That's what I've been hearing from so many different analysts. Like, okay, we're going to Kentucky this weekend. Cool. Kentucky, I guess. <laughs> I wouldn't. I went, um, my father and I and brother-in-law, we went to the inaugural Quaker State 400 nine years ago, which is insane to think. And it was jam-packed. That uh, a lot of people didn't even get into the track because uh, they the way they were directing cars was just terrible, and a lot of people mm. didn't get in the track. So there's like a well over a hundred thousand people there, and we're all excited for the race. And it ended up being super boring. Kyle Busch won by a huge margin, I'm pretty sure. And we were just kind of left with like a cool memory that we went to an inaugural race, but other than that, I was like kind of bummed that it wasn't anything super special. That was kind of the only excitement excitement I've ever seen with Kentucky. And I feel like every year I kind of psych myself up like, yeah, Kentucky, this this year is going to be really good. And it never turns out that way. So I'm like you, it, if and when they drop it from the schedule, I won't be too upset. Because it really yeah. is in the middle of nowhere, like you were saying. Yeah, the Sparta, only thing I Kentucky. really think, when I hear Kentucky, I think, didn't Joe Rudiman win there? <laughs> good grief. <laughs> <laughs> that that's, in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the number one thought that comes to mind yeah. and i honest i think he did that was like his one win that wasn't he also won the coke 600 but it, it was because it rained um mm. so i think that was his one not rain out win um but yeah so if kentucky's not on the schedule next year it, i won't i'll probably go cool yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Good run. We'll see you later. Yeah. But more exciting news. The all-star race is tomorrow and we will be there sitting in the Yarborough grandstand, 11 rows up seats, 14 and 15 exit of turn two. I am so excited. I don't think I've sat anywhere for the, Oh, that's not true. Maybe Martinsville. I've sat in the exit of turn two. Alas, I'm so excited for these seats. Yes. I think, I mean, it's Bristol, so I don't think they're, uh, there are bad seats um, no but i that's the thing i'm just i'm just thrilled that like it's bristol <laughs> and it, it really is <laughs> i'm like it's bristol and after considering the circumstances of where we are at the world to be one of thirty thousand people um getting to go to this sporting event is just it's beyond exciting yeah i was um, i was at costco today and i was uh check um exiting and they always check your receipt to make sure you know you're not stealing anything or whatever and i'm wearing my bristol shirt and this guy's like staring the guy checking my receipt he's just staring at me awkwardly i'm like 
yes, can I help you? <laughs> he was like, 1961? That was, I was like, yeah, that's Bristol. He goes, that's when that, that's when they found it? I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. That's why it's there. Um, <laughs> he goes, you're a little young for that, for uh, to have that shirt on, aren't you? aren't you? I was like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and uh he, he's like uh, he's like they're racing there soon aren't they it's like yeah tomorrow and i'll be there he goes no way he's like how'd you get tickets for that and i said well as soon as they went on sale i grabbed two he goes oh you should have bought more you could buy a sell it for double the price i was like <laughs> yeah okay bye <laughs> yeah and, and there's still tickets available right now i'm sure there are so it's uh <laughs> yeah it's it's it, going to be it, fun. Last time we were at Bristol, the only time I've been at Bristol, we sat in the middle of three and four for the cup race in the Kowicki Grandstand. And we were really high, almost too high. Like you weren't a part of the racetrack, which is why I decided, or one of the reasons I decided for us to sit in the lower bowl of the track because I really wanted to be part of it and, I don't know, get rubber flown in our face or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> so it's should be good. possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So... <laughs> get there tomorrow afternoon and uh we'll have maybe a little special episode bristol special and uh record it in the back of my car or something i don't know yeah (laughs) and uh yeah should be a fun night it's gonna be yeah i'm beyond excited and there's plenty of great things i mean besides the the racing which should be wild and fun um the all-star race usually brings out the uh the craziness um in everybody racing for a million dollars um, there's a lot on the line. Plus, Bristol has proven to just be one of the best tracks over the last few years. So, yeah, what the All-Star Race has also proven is a time for NASCAR to get weird with uh, mm-hmm. paint schemes and Fast and the Furious influences. <laughs> yes. By that, I mean having the uh, neon lights underneath. I'm excited about it. I think this is going to be fun and kind of quirky to see. What I'm interested to see is when these guys wreck are we gonna see like neon tubes flying across this <laughs> across the racetrack or something like it's like this purple too oh there it goes <laughs> uh, so this is gonna be cool i think the guys who are already locked in will have the lights the guys who are in the open will not so fords are gonna be blue toyotas are gonna be red and chevys are gonna be amber so hmm. i think it's gonna be really fun I think so, too. Yeah, that was even one of the cool things when Cole Custer won. Like the first things he said was, uh, we're our, we're in the all star race next week and I get to have those lights under my car. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear. That's really yeah. good to hear. So he was stoked on him. I stoked on it. I don't know um, how uh, evident it's going to be to see because Bristol lights up. It's lit. Well, it's lit and uh, it may not be the easiest thing to see but it's still a cool thing that they're trying um and then the choose cone will be neat to see um and i like that they're doing it just the short track style where it's like you just pick the lane um they're not doing a like some do it where like say the leader picks the outside second place goes to the inside then if third place chooses the outside fourth place goes to the inside they're not doing that they're just saying choose the lane you want to be in and just kind of leaving it as a free-for-all um, for people. So I think that's going to be awesome to see. Um, and then the, the cars, the paint schemes will look a little different, won't they? Yeah. We've got the primary sponsorship 
where the number usually is and the number has been pushed back just in front of the rear tire. There are quite a few um, released photos of what these paint schemes look like. Some of them look really cool. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, the 37, he's got Energizer on the car, and it is a s- slick-looking race, tra- race car. Uh, McDonald's looks really cool. Bubba Wallace's 43 look, looks good. But there's one car in particular you're not too fond of. Fond of, Josh, no. right? <laughs> yeah, and so NASCAR, when they first announced this, everybody on like Twitter and Facebook was like, this is really dumb. Um, and I was skeptical at first. And then they had the misfortune of the 24 car being the first paint scheme that was released. And it looks terrible. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, this is going to be bad. And then once all the other schemes started getting released, I was like, no, this actually, I don't mind this too much. This looks pretty cool, like you were saying. And then, which led me to going back and trying to figure out why the 24 looks so awful. And I figured out it's, there's really a couple key things. Um, the Exalta A logo is way too big. It goes from top to bottom um, pretty much. And it's just not a good, it doesn't center well or fit well on the car from an aesthetic point. But then the other key thing is that the Exalta logo runs parallel to the side skirt, which goes at a slightly uphill angle. But then the 24 runs parallel to the ground. So you've really broken this thing apart. Because I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it so much. And I was like, if they would have just fixed that, made the Exalta a little lower and the 24 at not at like the same angle, it would have looked fine. But because it looks so bad, um, or because of that, it's it's set up like that. It looks kind of awful. And my fear is that because it looks so bad to people, and it was the first thing released, it pretty much confirmed for people that this is a terrible idea. And so they're going to hate all the other paint schemes regardless because right. they've now made up their mind and it's been confirmed. Confirmation bias um, kicks in. And so... That's kind of the the thing that I think stinks um, and why you'll hear this will probably be universally panned. um, But it's just it would have been a simple fix for them to just have them be, you know, at the same angle. And there's one or two other cars. It's interesting that like some numbers are substantially bigger than others and some are substantially smaller. And it's like that's one of those things that I wish was kind of, you know, viewed better or taken into account a bit better by the the paint scheme designers but you know well yeah. I, I have a feeling that it'll take about all of three laps and my eyes will completely adjust, adjust. i'm looking at a photo of it right that. now i feel like if they scrap the a completely and just have exalta mm-hmm. it looks good yeah and a lot of the other ones <laughs> i like i like uh I like how Kyle Bush's, they basically just moved the number and they didn't like do anything different. I didn't even um, see it yet. <laughs> yeah, the Gibbs ones, the FedEx looks good on the, there's the FedEx there for the 11 and it looks good. And um, Eric Jones has like kind of an old school style Craftsman logo, which I think looks good. Um, Truex has looked pretty good too. So most of the ones I've seen, all the other Hendrick ones looked really cool. It was just that 24 car. Mm. It was so bad that. I think it ruined it for a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you're going to release the worst one, bad, bad. Don't have it be the first. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. Exactly. Yeah. But we're looking forward to it. We're going to do something a little cool, really cool tomorrow with recording a podcast from there and just really be able to share with you guys what we experienced. So we're excited. 
Yeah, um, it'll be. So uh, yeah. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, it's just gonna be awesome. Yeah. So, one more sleep. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is Christmas Eve again. It's Christmas. Christmas in July. Yep. For sure. Well, that's about all I've got for uh, for NASCAR this week, or for now, I guess. Shall we move yep. on to F one? Absolutely. Uh, so you got to see the whole race. Um, and so what were your thoughts on the race? Lewis Hamilton, uh, much to, I don't think anybody's surprise, uh, finally got his first win of the season after not winning the first one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, uh, it was, it was fine. You know, you always expect that first win from the dominant, uh, race car drivers, similar to when Jimmy Johnson used to dominate, you know, it was just a matter of time before he got his first win. And for Lewis Hamilton, it took two races. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was, it was fine. Um, he had genuine excitement on the podium, which I always like to see. He's a, he's a very genuine winner. He's always very appreciative of those, of those wins. Um, I was really hoping it was going to rain again. I don't know if you saw highlights from qualifying, but it was a torrential downpour, um, on that whole side of Europe. The radar was just covered in solid green and yellow and the clouds are 300 feet up into the air so they're super low so they had to find little pocket pockets of windows to uh to get this qualifying in and they were trying to figure out if if they don't get it in what are they going to do so they were going to go to um free practice two times and just go off those which made watching uh free practice two incredible because guys were making qualifying runs and the commentators were getting all worked up and stuff on guys pulling insane lap times. So that was, it was also almost like you got to watch two days of qualifying, uh, because they canceled free practice three. So they would have gone off those times had they had that. Um, but they did mm-hmm. all, all to say they did get qualifying in, in the rain. Um, and it was super exciting. So I was really hoping that we were going to have rain for the race. Cause you just never know who's going to come out on top with those. Well, last it did not happen. And, we had uh, Lewis Hamilton win, and the Ferraris took out each other in the very first lap in turn three, which is a hairpin of a turn. Charles Leclerc went a little too deep into the corner, and he got Vettel up in the air a little bit, chopped his rear wing off, and that ended Vettel's day, and two laps later ended Charles's day. So just another freaking, I don't know, demerit <laughs> on ferrari right. it's just such a it's such a bummer because to see a race without a ferrari in the field is it's it's weird it's really weird yeah it wasn't the definitely uh i think Claire called it a uh, a sim racing move he made there um not the greatest of starts especially for vettel um who's been a perennial uh championship contender and so to be this far back uh two races into the season um in his final year there um not the uh, the greatest of starts, but um, so that was cool. And I just from the highlights I watched and from the I watched one of the extended highlights for the race, it seemed like a really a lot of good racing. Um, There's a lot of times where a driver would take the pass and then get passed back on a crossover um, several times where a guy was making a move around the outside and or fighting back um, on a pass around the outside. And just the track seemed to really suit for some great racing. Um, when they got racy with each other, which isn't always the case with the Formula One race. Um, so that was something that I just really enjoyed and appreciated, um, especially over that last half, 
lap and a half where you had um, all the drama unfolding with uh, which ultimately resulted in Lando Norris's great run from eighth to fifth in the last lap and a half. It was unreal because uh, the two drivers at Racing Point, uh, Lance Stroll and um, the other guy's name is escaping me right now. Perez. Thank you. Sergio Perez. He uh, His front wing was very damaged, which caused him to go very slow and to unfortunately have a bat. Like, his whole day was good until that final few laps, which was such a bummer for him because he was having – he was pulling the fastest lap through the whole race towards the – well, towards the back half of the race. And you kind of wondered if Racing Point was going to get a podium until he got this um, damage to his car. So with all that said, he was he went backwards and uh, caused him Lance Stroll and uh, Lando Norris and Danny Ricardo to pretty much be in this huge bunch of cars, and Lando was able to pass Stroll and Perez and get fifth, which was an incredible finish, and he was incredibly excited for that finish too because <laughs> it came out of yeah. nowhere. Yeah, you had like um, Ricardo got forced wide, and so he got under him, and then he was able to come back around the outside and get past um, Stroll, and then he he ran down Perez in the final um, the final corners to get around him because he was he was really slow. Um, but so yeah, it's just it's fun to follow. I'm just enjoying following Lando Norris. He's um, such a good dude, man. He's so young. He's just like. I don't know. He's like a five-year-old running around toy store. <laughs> right. Yeah. 21 year old kid. Who's, you know, racing phenomenally. Um, he's kind of, he doesn't quite have the, the clout or, um, I mean, Verstappen is just, in, he's just slightly older than Norris and he's amazing to watch the battle he was having with Botas, um, especially early on was just a thrill to watch his, yes. his car control. Yes. Um, he held him off or he tried to hold him off towards the end there, but he couldn't pull it off. Mm-hmm. Um, which whatever it's fine. So you know, McLaren or sorry, McLaren Mercedes had another one too. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Max is kind of like a Ryan Newman. You can catch him all you want. Getting around him is a whole other adventure in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, well, I was gonna tag onto something there. Eh. Oh, I was gonna talk about the um, the passing with F one lately. So Austria. So most tracks have two DRS zones, and um, it's very rare you see three until as of late. Austria added a third DRS zone. Explain DRS. DRS is the drag reduction system. So what happens to Formula One cars have a front wing and a back wing, and the back wing um, has a flap. And, And for that flap to open, you have to be within a second of the car in front of you when you pass a line that is just before the DRS DRS zone begins so if you're if i'm within a second of josh um when i get to this line that wing will open up and what happens is you have less downforce on the back of your car but you and you have a lot more speed as well so what that does is allows cars to get from one second to right up on the next car in front of him and allows him to have a chance at passing that car and it's it's made for great racing and it it encourages a lot of passing because before the drs zone or sorry before drs was ever in formula one passing wasn't as frequent and it kind of made it a little boring a lot of people call it a gimmick i mean sure it kind of is i guess but it's definitely played into strategy for these guys so that's drs 
Austria added a third DRS zone. You have the one on the front stretch. You have one between turns one and three, and then you have another one between three and five. So they're all like back to back to back. So you get a lot of passing within the first three quarters of the racetrack. And that's what you were seeing in the middle of the pack, which is what they're hoping will be the the new thing in 2022 when these cars are a lot more similar and the pack will hopefully be a lot tighter. Does that explain? Mm. Does that make sense? That was an excellent explanation. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of hand motions. You can't see me, but I'm doing like a lot. Of <laughs> um, so yeah, um, that's my, that's literally probably literally. Yeah. It's, it's up there. One of my favorite tracks. We're also going to another favorite of mine in, uh, and hungry next week but we'll get to that in a second uh for those who don't know uh you've heard of Stuart haas, haas racing in nascar well haas the same name the same guy also has a formula one team and unfortunately has not been too successful as of late they've been in the sport for five years six years eight that years sounds about right somewhere <laughs> i can't remember you think i should know these things uh, they haven't had the finishes they've wanted. They had a, two retirements last week, and this week it was just a matter of survival, and they finished, I believe, 14th and 15th. And Gene Haas has said if they can't get good results this year, he may have to fold the team because he barely has any sponsors. He's He forks up the money himself. I'm pretty sure that is still the case because he lost his sponsor last year. And... Uh, yeah, do we see Haas return next year? I don't know. I mean, it's not cheap. It's <laughs> not one racing. It's not. Um, and it's it's very important to be finishing, um, to be getting points, to be getting good results. Um, so I don't know. I hope so because it's cool to have an American team, a North Carolina, yeah, know, team. Um, yes, in Formula One, and it's just. So I, my answer is going to be, I hope so. But I, if not, I 100% would understand. Yeah. I think the mistake was made and this is very hindsight, but not really. I, I don't think they should have left, uh, Romain Grosjean in the car and maybe even Kevin Magnuson. I like Kevin Magnuson a lot, but they they're just not given the, getting the results they should be granted. The cars aren't that great. The, the power units are not what they were hoping they would be. There's just the reliability of the, of the car is it's not there. So hopefully we'll see improvement of, in that as the season goes on. Cause this season is probably going to go on until December since we've had to push <laughs> so much back. So I, I'm hopeful that it, it stays, but eh, I don't know. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard yeah. to, hard to judge after just two races, but we'll see. Right. Hopefully they'll stay maybe, you know, with a yeah, Sebastian Vettel taking on Dude. You know, a little, the they were project. talking about it. They were talking yeah. about it. I was like, I could see it. That would be cool. It would be. It would so be cool. that could uh, definitely help with uh, with trying to turn things around and drawing sponsorship. Yes, um, absolutely. For sure. So uh, we'll see. My The answer, though, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. So those guys <laughs> go good. on to, to Spa next week. It's the longest track or well, yeah, I think it's the longest track in the season. And yeah, should be. Should be good. That's a mm-hmm. that's a really fun one, but uh, but yeah, that's kind of all we've got. On. Oh, hang on, Ganassi dominated Sne- IndyCar this weekend. Yeah, uh, f- 
dominated the IndyCar this year. Four straight yes. <laughs> races, four straight wins. Um, three Scott of the Dixon. four, Scott Dixon. <laughs> yeah, Scott Dixon started off the season winning the first three races and uh, clinched the 2020 championship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I my mean, gosh, he might as well have. He's got like a 54-point lead through four p- oh races, which is gosh. insane when like half the league or half the, the yeah, um, IndyCar Racing League has about 100 points on the season and he's got or less and he's out there with a 54 point lead over second place yeah um he's just incredible um it's a combination of just great pit strategy um it's two weeks in a row where he's kind of won by um them just getting the windows better um a big way that you make up time in indycar um is through pit windows so the goal is when you're running and you have cars in front of you um you obviously can't get the full speed um so by pitting early you open up the window um i believe at like the roval or the indianapolis roval he was able to run like 14 straight laps without cars in front of him and it was something similar in the first road america race and he was able to use that combined with uh the other cars he was battling all making mistakes and he just he's scott dixon he made a mistake well he made a mistake in the second race installed the car which is his one mistake for 2020 so (laughs) he gets one he only gets one (laughs) he only gets one and then he he won't make another one so it's he's just so good he's so so stupid good did you know there's a documentary on him on netflix i did not yeah i remember a bunch of guys talking about it universal studios backed it up which is incredible to see it's about an hour and a half long i started watching it last night and it's already really really good he should narrate many <laughs> many documentaries he's just got such a nice voice uh, but uh race number two felix rosenquist got his first win also every time i say his name i feel like he should be a hockey player for real he just yes i mean he's from sweden so it makes sense so it's like Rosenquist. Yeah, you're you're probably a, a, a forward. <laughs> uh, and uh, he only led eight laps. Pato Award, which I had never heard that name until right now. Finished second. Rossi third. Marcus Erickson, my dude, coming home fourth, and Colton Herta came in fifth. Um, I, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch any of these races. I only was able to see highlights. The uh, the IndyCar race came on. I think. At, one o'clock or noon or something, which is weird. A crazy time to start a race. I realized that. So I, you know, I missed it, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, really cool for him for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome to see. And, um, so it was good racing, um, from what I heard and saw and, um, good for Pato, um, as well to be up there. He'll, he's one of those drivers that you'll probably be hearing his name, name for a while. Um, a young kid that's, uh, gonna do very well in this sport of IndyCar, so yeah, um, very cool to see. And they go to uh, Iowa this weekend, so that should be interesting. Um, I, if Scott Dixon wins, he might lap the whole field twice. That's possible. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I did. Uh, they just announced this last week. The Truck Series, NASCAR Truck Series, and IndyCar will be sharing a weekend at Gateway. Sweet, sixty dollars for the whole day. It's three races. It's some support open wheel race, the truck series, and then the IndyCar race all on Sunday for 60 bucks for a reserve seat. I was like, mm, it's four hours away from me. Uh, it's the same distance as Bristol. <laughs> Maybe I should go. <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely a good possibility. There, yeah. You know, I don't fun. know. I might, I might, I don't know. I just, I just thought about it. 
We'll see what <laughs> we'll see what happens. So that's it from the uh, racing world. Well, do you want to go into play on yellow card, red card, and then we'll transfer into soccer? There's Let's not as much it. to talk about in the soccer world. Dude, when I was I making think. the headlines, I was like, uh, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's go for um, it. So it's going to be mostly uh, racing related. And I'm going to start off with one that um, you kind of came up with. So this is a rare one where you know what's going on. But NASCAR should reward a bonus point of some kind, either a playoff point or um, actual bonus points for a driver having the fastest lap in a race play on, which means, uh, yes, you agree. Yellow card. Eh, let's hold the horses on that red card. No, straight up. No play, play on. Um, it is so exciting to see it happen. For those who don't know, formula one does this exact thing. If you get the fastest lap of the race and you finish in a points paying position, you get that extra championship point and it makes for boring races turn into very exciting finishes similar to what we saw in Austria, because as soon as everyone realized no one was catching uh, Lewis Hamilton for the win, everyone decided to pit again, get on fresh tires and go for that fast slap. And it made for Mm. a crazy finish as we uh, mentioned earlier with Lando Norris and the racing point guys. So, we should keep doing it. We should, NASCAR should do it. I think if if we, whoever gets the fastest lap, if you are in the top ten, you get an extra point. Or five, you can make it even crazier. You give them extra five points. I don't know. I, I think it should be implemented. I think it would make for some insane strategy, and guys will be taking maybe a little bit more chances. You know, driving deeper into a corner or a little bit faster into a corner than usual, and it might cause some drama. Who knows? That's my take on it. Yeah, um, it could be. I mean, it'd be worth, you know, giving a try. Um, My thing is, I would think that at a lot of these tracks, it would come down to who is in the lead when the track temperature is the coolest. Oh, good point. Restart. Yeah, Um, that would be kind of the. So I don't know if that works. I think that works a bit better in F1 um, than it would in NASCAR because of the this style of tracks. But that's true. um, And it works better with works better with road courses, too. Probably. Right, because to get the fastest lap at Talladega, eh, that's really, you know, a crapshoot. <laughs> if you catch right. the if you catch the draft right, <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, you got a, you know, somebody in some low runner car that just happened to catch the draft right, right, exactly. <laughs> in the back of the field, Quinn Huff gets the fastest <laughs> fastest lap of the race. <laughs> All right, next one here. Um, no one else outside of the top 16 in points will win this regular season. Um, got plenty of good names out there, but it'll just be one of the top runners winning these last nine races to the chase playoffs. Mm. <laughs> uh, I don't know. We were surprised last week. Yeah, that doesn't happen that much play on. Yeah. Yep. I, I think what you see is kind of what you got. I yeah, just the- really want Jimmy Johnson to lock in. That's all I right. want. Right. Yeah, kind of the two wild, like, there's several guys, you know. I could see Christopher Bell winning. I could see Tyler Reddick winning. I could see Ricky Stenhouse winning at Daytona. Um, and then Eric Jones, who, Eric Jones, fun fact, has four top fives this year. Only, like, six guys have more top fives than him. Wow. Um, but he's outside of the points because of the finishes that just aren't coming for one reason or another. Um Next one. Uh, so for um, 
final one in the the racing world. With his win now, Cole Custer is going to win the Rookie of the Year award. Ooh, yellow card. I feel like Tyler Reddick is a close competitor with that. Yeah, I think I think my money's on Christopher Bell. Oh, okay. Um, I think just the way he's driving, but it, it's going to be fun to follow. This is a, a rare year where rookie of the year is going to be a fun thing to keep an eye on. Finally. I feel like we haven't done this since Matt Kenseth and Dale jr. Back in 2000. For real. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh final one. Um, so we've had two NBA players um, who, because of ordering food, um, are having to spend an extra 10 days in quarantine because they stepped out of the bubble to get food. Uh, so Nick, where's your favorite food meal place? What would you favorite place to eat? Let's go in the fast food world. Oh, fast food in and out in and out. All right. So would you add an extra 10 days of quarantine to a 14 day quarantine in order to get a meal from in and out burger? Absolutely. <laughs> I love In-N-Out, and I want it right now. So I guess in a statement, that was you would spend an extra day, 10 days, and you are giving that a hard play on. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> how, about, how about yourself? Um, I don't think so. I think I'd wait out a quarantine for anything, um, whether it be In-N-Out or yeah, – I mean, In-N-Out's hard to top. I would, <laughs> I'd love in It's been so long. <laughs> I haven't had In-N-Out in like – seven years and Ooh. man i want well, some the, now. the closest one is in dallas i know we actually for a friend's uh bachelor party our plan was to leave friday night drive to dallas eat it in and out go to one of those escape room things and then drive back that sounds like um, a great trip i thought so too but some things came up and we ended up axing it um but ah, that in and out is right off of i-10 i'm pretty sure it's i-10 mm-hmm. you can see it from the highway it sits up on a hill like heaven (laughs) it's awesome awesome anyway um so that's it for our our play on yellow card red card segment um who was it who who was the nba players i did not hear this uh two of them i don't know their i didn't like their names have been said and i'm like i don't recognize those players so Uh, it's like they went to the um, principal's like okay you've got 10 extra days of uh detention that's (laughs) it yeah (laughs) oh my gosh poor guys I think it was just like miscommunication, like didn't quite realize that like they were going to pick up like Grubhub thing. And instead of oh. it being taken to like the desk, like it should have, they like went outside or something like that. And it's, it was, I don't know. I've heard different things, but that's kind of the impression I've gotten, but oh, you know, poor guys. Is what <laughs> <laughs> oh, well break the rules. That's what happens, I guess. Right. Um, so, uh, on to soccer. Um, we got some big news coming up with Norwich was relegated, um, which was kind of just inevitable and it, it finally became official. You know, what's um, so frustrating about that for me, hmm. they beat city at the beginning of the year and they got regular <laughs> relegated. That was my it's first incredible. thing. As soon as the final whistle blew, I was like, Hmm, you're getting relegated and you beat city three to one <laughs> or three to two. I can't remember. It's like eight years ago. (laughs) Yeah, that's all I got. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, it was a big win for West Ham in that game to kind of move themselves. They're now then West Ham and Watford are both three points clear of being relegated um, with Bournemouth right there with three games to go. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. I think it's probably safe to say Aston Villa is going to be the next one out four points behind. Um, 
I don't necessarily see them making a comeback mm. with their their eight wins on the year. I don't see that stretching to ten. <laughs> it's so tight <laughs> because Watford, Watford and West Ham sitting at thirty four, Bournemouth at thirty one, Aston Villa at thirty. Oof, that is a tight. And Bournemouth plays City tomorrow. Is it tomorrow? Yeah. Um, which they may have a chance because I mean City literally has nothing to play for. They've clinched their Champions League berth. Heyo. Um, nobody's yeah, and they've clinched it legally. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't As know well. how legal it was, but they clinched it. Although, <laughs> <laughs> who got paid? <laughs> right, but it's it's done. They're they will be in the Champions League. Yes. Um. So, which makes the the battle for. The fourth spot, all of a sudden, very important with Leicester and Man United tied at 59 points um, and the goal differential being the difference with Leicester City having three more goals that is giving them that spot with three games to go. Um, And even Chelsea's got a four-point advantage, but they have a game in hand. So if Leicester and Man United, or they've played one more game, so if Leicester and Man United both win their next matches, you got three teams battling for two spots within one point. I'm for it. See, this is when it gets exciting. Yep. So Leicester play Sheffield United and Man United play Crystal Palace. Mm, Crystal Palace. Yeah. I mean, they might surprise us. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, when you're in the, when you're, you got like, the pressure's all on Leicester and Man United, and there's literally nothing on Crystal Palace because they're not fighting for anything. Mm-hmm. So you're just going out there and playing. So who knows? Whoa, Burnley's got five points on you guys, on Everton. Yeah, Everton, I think, you know, it's a similar type thing. There's not really much to play for right now. So it's, you know, they've had a couple tough. They were, that the loss against, against Tottenham last week was tough because you, it was kind of a close game that came down to a weird deflection. Um, and then they went up against Wolves, who's still fighting for that super slim chance at the Champions League. So, you know, it was like, they were they came out flying. The Wolves are gonna pull off a Cole Custer and just come up from the top and get into the Champions League. <laughs> I love it. I would absolutely love it. Uh, <laughs> That'd be so cool. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, that's kind of all we got. We've got uh, you know games every day per use. Right. We've got Newcastle, Tottenham, Burnley, and Wolves, Arsenal, Liverpool, and Man City and Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. tomorrow so maybe we'll watch some of that in the parking lot at bristol the arsenal Liber- the arsenal liverpool game will be on i might do it. yeah definitely definitely turn that on awesome <laughs> For sure. yeah and then so have you watched much of the mls is back ish tournament i'm now calling it because you know not every team is is back yeah <laughs> speaking of which unfortunately my interest went way down as soon as nashville had to um dip out of it due to COVID-19 tests coming positive. Um, So I've seen like maybe two games and yeah, it was, I watched it while I folded laundry, if that means anything. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I was just kind of bored. I've watched one game and it was noticeable for how bad it was. Yeah. Um, For the, I think I watched probably from like the 35, 30th minute or so on and it was just not a pretty thing to watch however what at the end of it the last 17 minutes because there's like seven minutes of stoppage time because of the different breaks they're taking um there was 
the last 17 minutes when it was Atlanta United's down by a goal and they're pressing, pressing to try and get that tie, um, it kind of felt back to normal mm-hmm. like again. And it was it was really entertaining to watch when you had that that pressure situation. So um, I knocked it and made fun of it for the first 80 minutes, and then um, I thoroughly enjoyed the last 17 minutes. So I tell you what was it keeps what, improving. Yeah, I tell you what was strange is. Um, not no fans, no grandstands, nothing. We've had that with watching the Premier League because they're just playing in their home uh, stadiums. So you see stadiums with sponsors everywhere, and it's not normal, but it's kind of a little bit of a you know a new normal thing. But where mm-hmm. the MLS tournament is happening right now, it just it just feels like like um, a recreation park that you see down the street where you see you know forty stadium lights turned on with twenty different games happening. That's what it felt like. Because you don't hear any fans cheering, you hear coaches screaming at each other, which I kind of like. It kind of, I don't know, kind of felt, it kind of brought it back home a little bit. It was just, yeah, it was just odd to watch. It was a very quiet broadcast, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and it's, they just have like that green wall behind it, so it's like... It's like the green monster. Oh, <laughs> just yeah, it really, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, OK, this is interesting. I kind of almost want them to play the ball off the wall. I'm just oh my gosh. <laughs> that would be awesome. Can we please do that? <laughs> we need to add a little something to this game. All right. Uh, if they hit the wall with the ball. It's still in play. Perfect. I mean, they do this it. is it's hockey. They play off the wall, play off the glass. Yeah. This is one of those seasons of life where with everything stopping and bringing stuff back where you can really mix things up and change things up. I am 100% in favor of the NHL and NBA and um, MLB all adding the however too many teams they need to get to 40 and splitting the league up into two 20-team leagues and having promotion and relegation. That's what I Oh, my gosh, please. I would love nothing more than that, but... um, I don't think anything cool like that will happen. It would be cool if MLS <laughs> and UCL did that. Not UCL. Sh- Is it UCL? No. Um, it's, um, it's the USL. Thank you. Yeah. That would be so sick. It would be. Because USL has two leagues within it. They kind of have a, I think they have like an East-West maybe or something like that. But mm-hmm. it's it could function as a League 1 and a League 2. And you could have three levels of promotion and relegation within US soccer, which would be awesome. But... um MLS likes the way that things work money wise. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what it comes down to. Right. So they, I think promotion and relegation would be better for the future of the sport. Um, but money talks and, yeah. uh, that's the driving force behind things. Unfortunately, we can't have 749 teams like England does. Ridiculous. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think I went to look that up and I couldn't even find an official number for how many professional teams they have. There's so many I, that they don't even have. I don't a think number. they know. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, I don't know. What day is it? <laughs> yeah. What year is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, true. That's kind of well, what we got on soccer. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. So, next time we'll be coming to you guys with a uh, bonus episode um, this week about our Bristol experience. Um, kind of, I guess we'll kind of look at it in three parts. The first part being like the, uh, us, the live excitement of getting anticipation for it. And then, um, looking at it in review, how the race went and then kind of talking through the safety features and, um, the kind of the way it all went from a COVID point of view and, um, talk about how we thought that went. So I think it'll make for uh, some good talking points. That would be a great, that's going to be someone's book title. 
a COVID point of view. (laughs) (laughs) A documentary. (laughs) Gross. (laughs) I hate that so much. (laughs) Cool. Well, I I stole your rant and ramble point and added it to one of the questions, but you got anything? uh... Um... Uh, I'm going to be a Washington Warriors fan, so that's cool. Did they rename it Warriors? It's the, it's the, not official, but it's the hot name. I mean, I don't hate it, but I just really wanted the American Football Club of Washington, D.C. I thought about it. I was literally like texting with my dad and brother-in-law about it because we're all Redskin fans. And I was like, hmm, do I pitch this idea to them? They're not going to understand it. No. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there was that. There's Warriors. There's Red Hawks. There's Red Tails. I, I I want one of those. I want Red something. I don't hate Red Tails. I don't either. Like, that's kind of a cool tying in with the Tuskegee Airmen and stuff like that. There's yep. like cool backstory behind it. So I, exactly. I wouldn't mind that one at all. No. A lot of people. I tell you what, I can't do. I can't get on social media and look at people who post about the Redskins who aren't in the sports world. Or like really mm. don't you can tell they don't care until something like this happens. Right. And a lot of people are like, all right, it's time to get rid of the braids, it's time to get rid of the blackhawks, it's time to get rid of X, Y, and Z. And right. I was just like, Oh, here we go. I will say though, the Babylon B just posted a great <laughs> article, quote unquote, on why they should get rid of all thirty two NFL teams. I will repost <laughs> it. It made me smile. I I was very <laughs> Very pleasantly surprised to see it. <laughs> it was hilarious. And they're like, Redskins, nothing to see here. <laughs> um, yeah, the one other uh, one thing that um, we could be seeing with this Bristol race, if it goes well, kind of the death of the Charlotte All-Star race, um, which I would understand from a racing perspective. But one thing I want to give a shout out to you that gets missed is that over the last four years, the most consistently awesome race has been the all-star open race at Charlotte motor speedway, where last year you had the, uh, three Y or you had the, um, the first stage ends with Byron and, uh, Wallace slamming into each other across the start finish line with Byron winning. The second stage ended with Wallace sending Suarez backwards through the grass for him to win that stage. Um, the year before you had the awesome three wide pass under what NASCAR dreamed of this rules package being, um, for the win with the top each stage ended with like the top seven all within a second of each other. Um, the year before that, you had Eric Jones trying to take it three wide through the grass on uh, um, the uh, Blaney and I think it or Suarez and Elliott, and it, it didn't work, um, which was awesome. The year before that, you had uh, um, Trevor Bain splitting. Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney on a one lap shootout. And then you had Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson slamming into each other, um, in the, at the end of the race. And it's just produced awesome racing over the last four years. If you want to entertain yourself, go back and watch the last four years of all-star races. So, um, while we may say goodbye to the all-star race regularly being at Charlotte or maybe not, um, don't forget how awesome the open race has been over the years. That's very true. That was good. That was a good homage to <laughs> the all-star <laughs> open at Charlotte. That is the big advertisement for Bristol. They're saying like, mm-hmm. this could be the only time the all-star race is at Bristol, which I'm like, eh, I don't know. This could we'll, be the first we'll one see. many times. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe they'll change it up every few yeah. years. 
Maybe this yeah. is a good uh, tester for that. But right. we will let you guys know how it goes. Uh, keep a lookout on our Instagram as we'll be making many posts of all the fun things we plan on doing tomorrow or not plan on doing tomorrow. I might I might plan on eating some Bojangles tomorrow because <laughs> it's like the one time a year I have an excuse to eat it at a racetrack. See yeah. this? Did I lose you there within the final seconds of... Uh, Okay, we're back. No, we're there. We're good. <laughs> okay. It uh it my internet blanked out and you went like dead silent for a couple oh, seconds. Oh god, so. no. I was just gotta talking. love it. What was the last thing you heard? Uh Bojangles. Oh yeah, you lost me for like maybe half a second. Okay, cool. You said it's like the one time a year I usually eat Bojangles, so this may be the time I eat it. Oh. I uh <laughs> you're like, yeah, I, I eat that like all the time. <laughs> I'm like, I might be going to Bojangles as soon as we get off of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's burger week in Nashville, so I'm gonna go we're gonna go uh find a good burger to eat. I think. Awesome. Yeah. Good so call. with that, I'm Nick. And I'm Josh. And we will see you guys later this week. Have a good one. Later.